This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Folks, welcome to the show. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, my name is John Roseman. I'm a family psychologist, and I always say this, I do not believe in psychology. I believe psychology, and and I am one, I'm licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board for purposes of convenience, and so that I can say things like this with credibility. I believe psychology is a secular religion. In fact, it is the reigning worldview of uh, post-modernity. And I believe psychology has caused more problems in culture, for the family, for the child specifically, than psychologists even know how to solve. I am an author. I've written about 20 books on what we now call parenting and uh, family issues in general. My uh, best-selling Christian book is uh, Parenting by the book, the book in the title being the Bible, Parenting According to the Bible, Parenting by the Book. And um, that won a Mom's Choice Award in 2009. I'm, uh, I'm very pleased with the fact that that book is being used by hundreds of churches across the country as a uh, study platform, I guess you'd call it, a group study platform. Um, I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column, appears in about 250 newspapers around the country, and I'm here on American Family Radio every Saturday afternoon, 5 o'clock Central Time, and uh, I'm very thankful to all the folks at American Family Radio, Tim Wildman, Devin Patrick, my producer, and everyone for the uh, the great help they've given me with this show. I am a novice radio announcer. I know it doesn't come through, but but I am. And I'm also a public speaker. I run around the country nine months a year, usually contiguous with the school year, talking primarily in churches and Christian schools about this thing we now call parenting in America. So a few years ago, I ran across an article in the Wall Street Journal in which the author is an opinion piece, and the author said that the greatest public relations coup of the last 40 years was the success that the LGBTQRST, whatever they call themselves, uh, community, you know what, who I mean, the lesbian, bisexual, uh, et cetera, et cetera, community in America has had convincing the American public that homosexual marriage was no big deal, and they cited statistics to that effect. And I thought, no, no, that's wrong. The biggest public relations coup of the last 50 years, since 1970, so it's what's that, uh, 45 years, 46 years, is the success the LGBTQRST community has had in convincing the American public that homosexuality and now transgenderism is innate, that 
a homosexual is born that way, that a transgender person is a person who was born into the wrong body. He is, uh, he is actually a girl, for instance, born into the body of a girl. And there is, in fact, and this may blow some people's minds out there, um, because this, this canard has wormed its way, and that, that is, a, that is a, uh, a very apt way of describing it in my estimation. It has wormed its way into the church. We now have pastors primarily in mainstream churches, both Protestant and Catholic, who actually have proclaimed from the pulpit that homosexuals can't help it, that they were born that way, that there's some homosexual gene, that there's a homosexual biochemical, that there's some condition in the womb, uh, whatever it might be, that predetermines homosexuality. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you today, and I have researched this topic extensively because from the very beginning, I knew this was a lie, and I determined to prove to myself, if to no one else, the fact that this popular notion was, in fact, a lie uh, many years ago. And I have done extensive research, and I don't mean scientific research. I mean research in the, in the sense of looking things up and reading books and so on and so on and so forth. And I have been unable to find any credible research done by people who have no dog in the race. In other words, people who are not themselves homosexuals, who are not outspoken proponents of the LGBTQRST lifestyle and so on. In other words, objective, dispassionate people who have no axe to grind and no point to prove, I have been unable to find any credible research done by people who fit that description that would even come close to suggesting that homosexuality, transgenderism, is something that, quote, can't be helped, end quote. Uh, folks, this is a choice. This, These things are a choice. Now, the problem that a lot of people are having with this is twofold. Number one, one deals with people who, or hears people, sometimes say, in somewhat of a dramatic voice always, and so I'll try and mimic it to the best of my ability, why would a person make a choice to enter a lifestyle that draws down so much societal condemnation. Well, it is what's called a red herring argument. In other words, it distracts from the real question, which is, is there evidence that, is there concrete, palpable, tangible, measurable evidence, genetically, biologically, biochemically, neurochemically, neurologically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that would suggest, in fact, much less prove that homosexuality and transgenderism can't be helped? The answer is no. 
But the question slash lament, why would anyone choose such a lifestyle, is what's called red herring. It distracts from the actual point. And the red herring argument can be answered this way. Well, there are other lifestyles that draw down societal condemnation, and we do not, because these other lifestyles draw down societal condemnation, immediately assume that no one would willingly enter these lifestyles, therefore they must be biologically determined. And I'm talking about such lifestyles as a criminal lifestyle. Why would, using the same argument, why would anyone choose to be a criminal? Why would anyone choose to enter a lifestyle that, uh, you know, involves such depravity and draws down such societal condemnation? And of course, criminality is not genetic. Uh, No one has ever proven that. Now, in the 19th century, there were theories, the 18th and 19th centuries, there were theories, Lamarck's theory, and so on and so forth, uh, L-A-M-A-R-K, I believe he was French, um, that uh, proposed this, but no one's ever proven that. And, I mean, you know, it is it is uh, pretty much uh, taken to be self-evident that criminality is a choice. Well, folks, let me assure you that by the same regard, homosexuality is a choice. Now, I told you, There were two problems with this. One is the red herring argument. The other is with parents of homosexuals. And I am referring to, and transgender people, and I am referring to parents of homosexuals and transgender people, even in the Christian community, who just cannot accept that this is a choice. And the reason they can't accept this and want to believe that the homosexuality, the transgenderism that their children have embraced, and that's what it is. It is a a demonic embrace uh, that these children have embraced must be genetic, must be biologically determined, because if it's not, then their reasoning is, and this is called false dualism philosophically, Their reasoning is that if it's not biologically determined, then the child's homosexuality must be due to what? Yes, that's right. You got it. Improper parenting. This is the false dualism of post-modernity. We believe today in secular America that deviant behavior is either caused by genes, biological characteristics, in which case it really isn't deviant because it's not a matter of choice, or it is caused by bad parenting. And this is a false duality because there is a third option. And the third option, ladies and gentlemen, and you are members of an audience that is largely Christian, so this should come as no shock and surprise to you, But the third option, the third explanation for homosexuality, transgenderism, LGBTQRSTYZ, is sin. Yes, sin. That uh, three-letter word that uh, even many Christians just don't want to deal with because it creates so much discomfort for them and relationships and so on and so forth. 
And that's what I'm going to talk about when I come back, is that this is sin. I will be back in a moment or two on American Family Radio with more of the show. The show is called Because I Said So, and I'm your host, John Roseman. My website, johnroseman.com. Back in a few. Stay with us. show. I'm your host, John Roseman, psychologist, etc., etc. Go to johnroseman.com, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com, and uh, you can find out more about my upcoming speaking engagements in the, uh, in the fall, beginning in August. I'm going to be speaking in Chicago. I'm going to be speaking in uh, Texas in a small town just north of Austin. I'm going to be speaking in the Los Angeles area twice in August and again in October. I'm going to be speaking in uh, Destin, Florida. I'm going to be speaking all over the United States this coming fall. I generally speaking don't speak except on the radio. The radio show will continue. Um, because I'm loving this. I just really am having a lot of fun with the show, and I hope that uh, it's something that you have fun listening to. In other words, that you enjoy it and uh, as much as I do. So uh, I'm talking about the fact that, and it is a fact, that homosexuality, transgenderism, bisexuality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, these are choices, They are not biologically determined. They are not determined by bad parenting. They are sin. And um, this is something that we, and the reason I'm talking about this is because this is something that outside of, I would say, rather circumscribed theological circles is not being talked about. The politically correct position on this issue is, of course, that these people can't help it. The problem that, and I was saying this before, the problem that a lot of parents of homosexuals have, even Christian parents of homosexuals and transgender people have, concerns the false dualism in postmodern America, which says, well, if your behavior is deviant and it's not biologically determined, then it must be a matter of bad parenting. And I was saying before the break, no, 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 there's a third option, and it is, in fact, in this case, the most viable option, and that is that homosexuality is sin. The Bible is clear on this, folks. The Bible is very clear in both the Old and the New Testaments, as we Christians call them, that homosexuality is a sin. And I don't know, I stopped arguing with God a number of years ago. I'm simply not going to enter into an argument with God. I'm not going to, and I hope that uh, for your sake, for your life's sake, that you, the listener, are not going to enter into an argument with God either. A lot of this came up in my thinking again this week because I was reading an article online about a girl, I don't need to mention her name, she's at a Catholic high school in Pennsylvania 
who was kicked out of her own prom recently for wearing a tuxedo and bringing a girl in a dress to the prom. Well, let me go over that again. A girl wearing a tuxedo brought another girl wearing a prom gown dress. I saw it. The girl's very attractive. Wearing a very attractive full-length prom gown dress, whatever they call them. And she and her date were both told to leave the prom because the girl was not dressed appropriately. And I don't, you know, I really don't, it wasn't clear in the article to tell you the truth whether the date in the dress was told to leave as well. I imagine that she was, but she didn't make a big brouhaha over the thing. The girl in the tuxedo. And there was a uh, photograph of her online and she looked like a boy. Her hair was cut like a boy. Her hair was combed like a boy. And uh, she was wearing a tuxedo. And, you know, you had to really look close to realize, no, these are female facial features. But uh, so this, this girl, this high school girl, junior in high school, is doing all that she can to deny that she is, in fact, a female. And uh, kicked out of her prom, she walks in the door, the principal takes her aside and says, sorry, you can't be here. But apparently he knew that she was going to do this. She had, she had uh, you know, spread this around on social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the way that young people do today, everything's a drama. Everything, it's all about me. You know, you, you got to have your 15 minutes of fame if you're a millennial Generation X. So the principal takes her aside and says, sorry, uh, school policy, you know what school policy is. Uh, you're not allowed to come to the prom dressed as a boy any more than a, uh, than a uh, boy is allowed to come dressed as a girl. So you're going to have to go home, change your clothes, come back, or go home and don't come back. But uh, those are your options. And she didn't come back. Her mother immediately called the school and said, I told him I'd read the dress code, and I didn't think that it precluded my daughter from wearing a tuxedo. I said that this was very unfair, particularly at the last minute. Well, no, it's not. I mean, the, this code was not developed between the time the girl walks into the prom and the time the principal took her aside and says it's against the code. This was not last minute. This was well known in advance. And the girl knew this because she had made a big deal prior to coming to the prom of the fact that she was in her defiantness and rebelliousness going to wear a tuxedo to the prom. We had, the mother speaking, we had gone out and bought a new suit for my daughter. I think my daughter is beautiful in a suit. I'm just speechless at that. I, you know, I just... What do you say to that? What do you say to a parent who is so completely deluded and enmeshed and in such a codependent relationship with a child that everything the child does is okay? I mean, this is not just about a girl coming to the prom dressed as a boy this is about a mother-daughter relationship that is obviously codependent. And this, by the way, codependency is epidemic in parent-child and especially mother-child relationships in America today. The culture 
has put tremendous pressure on the mother of a sort that almost runs the risk, the high risk of turning her into a perpetual enabler of her children. And this is what has happened here, I suspect. You know, I'm playing psychologist a little bit, but I think my daughter is beautiful in a suit. We went out and bought her a tuxedo for the prom. I mean, that is enabling. That is codependency. That is a toxic parent-child relationship. And that makes me sad because, the, you know, the, the, the fact is that both of the participants in a codependent relationship are being harmed. They are being done tremendous harm spiritually. So the girl said, I think my experience shouldn't be any different than anyone else's because of something I was born with, born with. She believes that she was born homosexual and, by the way, believes that at age 17, she is old enough to make the decision that she is, in fact, a lesbian. She can't vote, can't drink, can't smoke, can't get a tattoo, but she is old enough to decide that she is a lesbian. You can just ponder the paradox of that. So let's talk about what the Bible says about all this. The Bible says, first of all, God created two genders. He didn't create three, four, five, a dozen, 20. I believe now I heard the other day Facebook now lists something like 50 different genders, including questioning and other ridiculous things like this. You're a questioning gender. <laughs> that's that's fascinating. Um, what is your gender? Are you a boy or a girl? Someone asks you over the phone and you say, well, I really haven't figured that out yet. I'm questioning. God created two genders, male, female. And like I said, I, uh, I just uh, stopped arguing with God many years ago. And as I look back, I realize that all of my arguments with God were self-destructive. They didn't affect him one, one bit, I will guarantee you. The closest, and of course, homosexuality is condemned in Leviticus. It is called an abomination to God. And uh, I mean, the, the law, the Old Testament law, the Torah law, couldn't be more specific. The closest the Bible comes to mentioning transgenderism is in its condemnations of homosexuality in Romans and Corinthians and transvestitism or transvestism, I don't know what that should be, in Deuteronomy and Corinthians. In fact, the Greek word that is often translated homosexual offenders or male prostitutes in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and by the way, that is the way it's written, 1 Corinthians. People were laughing at Donald Trump saying 1 Corinthians when in fact it is it, it, or he for saying 1 Corinthians, saying it should be 1 Corinthians. Well, it doesn't say 1st. It says 1. It never says 1st. It never says 1ST. So it is 1 Corinthians 6-9. Anyway, those words literally mean effeminate men. So the Bible is very clear that even uh, femininity on the part of males is condemned. So, in summary, 
There is no scientific evidence to the effect that being lesbian, bisexual, homosexual, transgender is anything but a choice. It is, from a biblical worldview, a sin. And folks, it is certainly a sign of the times that we are having tremendous difficulty, even in the Christian community, accepting this. Once again, the show is called Because I Said So, and uh, I'm your host, John Rosemond. You can find out more about me, my books, speaking engagements, all that other kind of stuff. My weekly newspaper column is put up there on uh, johnroseman.com. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Join us next week, please. Uh, Same time, same station, American Family Radio, Saturday, 5 o'clock Central Time. I've enjoyed it. God bless you all. 